begin once again uh, our lessons on the Holy Spirit. And, and last week we began to talk about the desire for the Holy Spirit because we've shared with you that the Holy Spirit is given that he might influence our lives and that the power of the believer to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord or a life that is reflective of the Lord Jesus Christ, that only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the truth of the matter that in order for a church to accomplish the will of God and the plan of the kingdom, it has to have a desire for the Holy Spirit to be paramount and be at the forefront of the leading and guiding. Because here's what Jesus said. He said this in, in John 6 and 36, I mean 63 rather. He says, it is the spirit that quickens and the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, their spirit and their life. And essentially what he was saying is that if we just operate based upon our own wisdom, our own knowledge, conventional wisdom, conventional understanding, we cannot accomplish the will of God. And a church where the Holy Spirit is not free to guide the lives of the believers in that church will be a church of carnality. And the Bible says that the carnal mind is enmity against God because it is not subject to the law of God. Enmity, that word enmity means against, it's, it's at odds with. The carnal mind is at odds with the mind of God. For it is a carnal mind. So then we understand that in order for us to fulfill the will and the purpose of God, we must have, first and foremost, be born again and have the Holy Spirit in us. But we also then must acknowledge the power of God and the workings of God through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, brothers. I appreciate that. Let's all stand. We got to make our declaration. So we started this, and then, then we had the anniversary. But we, we're, every Sunday before we get into the Word, we're going to stand and make this declaration. And the words will be there. It's Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. God bless you. Holy Spirit is working up in the sound booth because they remembered. I got right into it, but we're not supposed to get into the Word until we've made our declaration. Amen? Amen. Now, which, let's lift our voice and say it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Yes, we're going to make that cultural here. Because ultimately, that's what the Word of God is intended. When you come to be fed the Word of God, it's to help you to understand how to live this new life in Christ. To get instructions. And Paul says that he gave some to be prophets, teachers, preachers, uh, apostles, and evangelists that they, for the perfecting of the church for the work of the ministry. So all of that is, is intended to create, to bring us in the fullness of what Christ has desired. And that we might be able to do the work of the ministry. And so ultimately that is only done by crucifying the flesh. Jesus says, if any man wants to come after me, he must first deny himself. And here's what he said, take up his cross and then follow me. What that means is that you have, and, he, and, and in Luke he says he must do this daily. So you must daily be dying to your will and, and your way and be, a, be made alive unto God. So this verse in, in, in Galatians 2 and 20 speaks to the power of a man or woman who daily says, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. 
and then confessing that and continuing that and making that a part of their journey that they have submitting their will to the will of God. Because ultimately what we find in the world, the reason that so much happens within the church, and here's the thing, people of God, I know that we're very much aware of all the tragedy and the trouble that's in the world. Are we, are we, are we, can we agree that there's a lot going on? But here's something I want you to understand. And you've been saying, well, when is God going to judge the world? When is God going to bring all this stuff in the check? Here's what the word of God says. Judgment begins at the house of God. The thing is, much of the stuff we're seeing in the world, we're now seeing it in the church. And judgment starts with his children within the house. So the reality is we will begin to see God's judgment on us because we have become like the world. And he says, you are not the world. He's, you, I've called you out of the world. And here's the reality. He's called us out of the world to be salt and light. Salt and light. Salt makes whatever you put it in better. And light brings, shines light upon anything in darkness. And here's the truth of the matter. Jesus says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he said, and this is condemnation, that light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And then verse 21, this is John 3, 16 through, through 21. 21 says, those who practice sin and evil, wickedness, hate the light. Lest if they come to the light, their deeds might be exposed. He said, but those who come to the light, they come that their deeds might be done in God. See, that's what God is looking for. He's looking for us to stop playing church and acting like, the, act like we know church things and becoming the church. Because the truth of the matter is, he says, know ye not that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. God wants to have a temple that he can live in. The song we used to sing is that, the Lord prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary, Lord, for you. See, lest we just become church people who carry the title and the name of Christian, but the attitude and the conduct of the sinner. See, it, it, God, God is saying, I need for the world to see me. He said, that's why men do not take a light and light it and then put it under a bushel. He says, he take it and put it on a stand that it might give light to the whole house. God is trying to raise us up that we might shed light on all of the things that, that, that's happening. But the light cannot shine if we are walking as children in dark, of darkness. And so ultimately, the light shining shines through the power of the Holy Spirit working in a man, working in a woman, 
that she or he might be able to, to demonstrate and illuminate the image and likeness of Christ. See, that's what God is wanting. He's wanting for our lives to reflect him. And until we're submitted to that, to the will of God, we'll never understand the benefit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit having full control, full access in our lives. Because otherwise we'll walk around and we'll have some Jesus and some things we allow God to access, but other things we hold for ourselves. That's why, that's why a man or a woman can confess to know Christ and still be walking around on a heartbeat, on a whim, uh, at, at, at the split second, cursing somebody out because God has not had access to the tongue. The Holy Spirit doesn't have access to the tongue, because, so I just say what I, what I feel. But the Word of God helps us understand that we must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Because the wrath of man does not work the works of Christ. See, we're walking around in bitter and angry, snapping and biting and, 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 and short-fused. The Holy Spirit will lengthen your fuse. Because here's what Jesus said. He said, if somebody slap you on the right cheek, turn to him the left. Now, you know, if you, can, if you ain't got no fuse on your bomb, it's going to go off. A slap is going to send you into an atomic nuclear explosion that will shut down the church, the services, the relationship, the whole house. Ain't nobody going to believe in Jesus no more. When you get done, your, your fuse, that's for you to slap me. You slap me. But he wasn't teaching brutality because there's people who are in abusive situations who use that as reason for them to stay. That's not what that is. He's teaching you that you must be able to submit your will to the will of God. Because what he's saying that it's going to take you to have some self-control. You can only allow that other cheek to be offered if you ain't already fighting. Thank you, mother, for your amen. I know you with me. Watch this now. So you, you, you all, by the time you, by the time that slap happened, you already, you, 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 you done blocked out. You don't know what happened. All you know, you, you, you putting somebody in the trunk. You're like, what? How did I get here? So he's saying he's trying to teach self-control because if in order to offer that other cheek, I got to still be standing there. You're not talking about standing and get beat down. He said you have to have enough self-control that you could do that. But that only happens when the Holy Spirit has access because the Bible says the Spirit knows the mind of God. Because it's through the Holy Spirit's working in us that we are able to exhibit Christ. That's why Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Now, here's something you need to understand. Galatians, the first, the first chapter and a half, Paul is actually defending who he is. 
They were challenging him. He had gone and started churches. Miracles had been done. Dead had been raised by Paul, and yet the other, other apostles were, were questioning and challenging who he was. And then there were those that had snuck into the church, had begun to teach those, all those Gentiles, those Galatians, that they needed to now go back and try to go back and, and practice the law. And so Paul is making an argument that, wait a minute, first and foremost, they question who I am because I've taught you that you didn't need to do that. And now I'm going to assure you who I am through what I've accomplished. But now he's also proven. Then he says, you know what? I've been crucified with Christ. And nevertheless, I'm living. But he says, but the life I'm living, everything I'm doing right now, I'm living by faith in the Son of God. I, I'm not, I don't have my own agenda. I don't have my own plan. Everything I've told you, I'm telling you because that's what God has showed me. But he had to be submitted to that. That's all God is looking for is for us to say yes. Yes to him, no to me. See, when I, when, 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 when I know that I'm wrong, with my wife, I got to say yes to the Lord because the Holy Spirit is one telling me. You know, you ain't listening to your wife. When, she, when you're in an argument, you ain't hearing that. They telling you you're wrong, but you ain't hearing that. But the Holy Spirit is telling you you're wrong. So I walk up, you know what? I'm, while I'm sitting there watching TV. Something to come on commercial flash. I'm like, I ain't never seen this commercial before. <laughs> and it reminds me that I'm wrong. Then I turn the channel and then I'm sitting there. <laughs> I turn on a sitcom and then it's about forgiveness. Yeah. Then I see something, pride, a pride. Oh. Go back and say, oh, you know, Earlier, um, you know, I got all upset. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, it was way too much. I went over the top. I was, I made such a big deal of that. I'm just sorry. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because the Bible says pride goes before a fall. See, I can tear my own marriage up by walking around in pride. It's the principle of the matter. Well, you and principal are going to be by yourself. <laughs> come on, principal, come on. <laughs> you better let principal go and keep your spouse. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me today. Watch this now. So, so let me share something with you. I'm going I'm to I'm share this blessing with you. And I pray it blesses you because it is a blessing. I wasn't going to mention this, but I will do it because I feel good today. I'm, I'm blessed. So yesterday, something, the Lord did something. God, God worked something that has not been worked in 16 years of my pastoring. Yesterday, the, 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 the pastor that I uh, was born again under, the pastor that I was saved under and, and accepted my calling that was trained, that trained me and helped me to understand my foundation, that pastor was sitting right there. And that was the first time in 16 years that he had actually set foot inside anything that I've been doing for the last 16 years. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm happy because that blessed me. 
And not only did he sit there, the Lord put him on the front seat, first seat, and he amened and said, praise God to what was being done. So that blessed me. Now, that may not mean a lot to you, but here's the thing. When God gave me the sanctuary church to do, there was not much uh, expectation. Not, not many people believed that's what God was telling me to do. And so in coming into this and seeing it, I knew God had given it, and 16 years later, God has proven it. But it only uh, blessed that moment even more so to have him seated here and to see what God has done in these last 16 years. So, so I feel good today, amen? So just, just let me have my moment, amen? God bless you. So with that said, the Lord is working to accomplish his Holy Spirit. So here's what Jesus did. Jesus stood up. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 7. Jesus stood up in the midst of a great celebration on the last day and he made a declaration to the people of God. And please, please, please come with me for a few minutes. Uh, I'm going to be done here because I want to be mindful of time. But let me say this. Uh, I want to get, I wanna get um, something to you before I end my time. Would you just be patient in that? Just, just a few minutes, all right? Um, on the last day, John, John 7, verse 37 through 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, If anyone thirst." Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus stood up and said, if anybody's thirsty... If anyone's thirsty, if anyone's dry, if anyone's parched, if anyone's dehydrated, he said, let them come to me and drink. Look what Paul had to say about the matter. He says, do not be drunk with wine, but which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. That word dissipation means wasteful. Wasting resource, wasting energy. And another, another translation says debauchery. Debauchery means a, a, an extension or an overindulgent and sensual things. He says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And now there's an application there because ultimately he's saying, a man or a woman, in order to be drunk on anything, must continue to consume. He said, but don't you go and consume things that will cause you to walk in debauchery and dissipation. He said, be full of the Spirit. Now, what he does is he put a contrast here. Because he's actually showing that these things, this wine, this drunk, this alcohol, this liquor, will influence your life. But the Holy Spirit has been given to the believer to influence his life in Christ. So it says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. But notice this now. 
So having gotten this understanding from what Paul just showed us, now let's look back at what Jesus said. On that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out and said, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is ready to no longer allow for the influences of the world to impact their life where they can no longer please God, he says, let them come to me and drink. Because Jesus said, everything you see me doing, it's what my father's given me to do. Everything you hear me saying, my father's taught me to say it. But look what he says. And as the scripture says, out of his fellow, out of his heart, will flow. So not only will you have your drink quenched, but out of you will come the quenching to help others as well. John made it clear. He said, now he's talking about the Holy Spirit now. He's talking about water and thirsty, but, but no, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, but the Holy Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not been crucified, been glorified, and been ascended back to heaven. But Jesus said, I, I must go that he may come. Now let me share this real, real quick. The word thirst, thirst means a feeling of need. Or a wanting to drink something. Amen. Jesus says, if any man wants fullness of the Holy Spirit, he says, let him come to me. Because he says, there's a feeling of need. First, you got to realize, Lord, I can't do this by myself. I'm not going to be able to live a life that's pleasing to you if you don't help me. So you got to first say, God, I'm ready, I'm ready to submit. I'm ready to live a life that pleases you. I'm ready to live my life to your name, for your name's sake and to your glory. That's why we've been confessing. I'm crucified with Christ. Yeah. Nevertheless, I live. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died, who gave himself for me. I am now crucified. Yeah. But I'm going to live. Yeah. And the life I now live, I'm going to live by faith in you, Jesus. But that's only accomplished if I, have, if I recognize the need. See, the thing about it, oftentimes, religion helps, let me, let me help you with this. Religion helps a person to satisfy his need to feel, get this, righteous. Hear this now. Religion helps a person to fulfill his or her need to feel righteous. But God said that yours and my righteousness is as filthy rags. When you feel self-righteous, he said it's like dirty, stinking rags. Here's what, I ha here's what happened to me. So, so we had a rag hanging on the sink. And I don't know how long it had been there, but I went down there to get something, and I grabbed it. And I was wiping with it. Boy, every time it moved, I said, <laughs> well, it, it, look, it looked clean. It looked clean to me. But something in it was stinking. And God said, Yours and my righteousness is just like that stinking rag that was hanging on my sink that it looked like 
was okay. But there was a, a scent that was coming off of it that was deplorable. And watch this now. Everything I wiped with it, wiped the smell onto it. So not only did I have to get rid of the rag and put it in the, in the dirty, dirty laundry, I had to go get a clean rag and wipe off what I had wiped with the rag. See, the righteousness of man does not work the will of God. It only is the will, it is the righteousness of God that accomplishes the righteousness of God. And his righteousness is in his spirit, working in us both the will and to do of his good pleasure. Look at this next one, desire, because the title of the message is a desire for the Holy Spirit. A strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. So when Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, he said, you got to be wanting this. You got to want the fullness of the Holy Spirit in you. You got to want to have a spirit-filled life. You want to want, you have to want to walk about, as, as, as Paul said, he says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You got to walk in the spirit. Walk full of the Spirit each day, all day, not just because I got my devotion in that morning. Let me tell you this, don't, don't use, I didn't, I didn't have a chance to pray this morning as an excuse to act ungodly. Whether you had devotional time this morning or not, the words are still being you enough to know that that still ain't God. Amen? Amen. So look at this next one. And I'll be done. I want, I'm going to leave this with you now. I'll come back next week and help you understand this uh, more, more in depth. But look what he says. Luke chapter 11. I'm going to go ahead and go there. Just write it down in your notes. Turn it with me. Or you can just uh, uh, direct your attention to the screen. He says, if, if a son asks bread from any father among you, Will he give him a stone? Then he goes on and says, or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? He says, or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Look at verse 13. He says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This was in response to Jesus standing. If any man, any woman is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Because he said, if you've been evil, Know how to give good gifts to your children? How much more will you have the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, I don't have time to deal with this completely, but I'm going to leave this in your heart. The desire of the Holy Spirit, the desire for a Spirit-filled life has to be your desire. And you have to say, God, I want to live a Spirit-filled life. I no longer want to misrepresent my, the cross. I don't want to no longer misrepresent Christ. 
I want to represent you in all that I am and in all that I do because I am crucified with Christ yet I live but the life that I now live I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself 